to the Forest Creek Podcast. It's me, Raph. I'm here with Jared. Hello. You can talk when I say you can talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, master. <laughs> um, He's only five whippings. On this episode of the Forest Creek Podcast, we're reviewing stand-up, which is a thing that I've always wanted to do, and I want to do more often and more of it, especially when we go to see somebody live. I was originally going to sit down with Kyle when we were going to review Akash Singh. Um, if you, you may have heard of Akash Singh, a very prominent Indian comedian from the States, came up here to Vancouver to do a special. I feel like I've noticed this a couple times whenever I've seen stand-up in Vancouver, especially when like a comedian from the States visit us. Vancouver crowds for stand-up kind of suck. <laughs> they kind of suck. There's like, they're half dead, half asleep, not very reactive. Mm. They get offended a little bit too easily. <laughs> it's kind of lame. I feel like I'm embarrassed when like a comedian that I like comes over to try to entertain us and then we suck. <laughs> As a crowd, we just bring come into the theater with the wrong energy. Mm. It just, it dampens the whole show. Akash, the, this one idiot had to shout out a couple times this some like I don't know he sounded like some kind of French Canadian moron mm. had to shout out at the stage Akash got so pissed off Ooh. that he spent the next 30 minutes just calling that dude a <laughs> shithead rather than do the set yeah Kyle liked it because he's dark <laughs> and he likes that guy but me I wanted to see the bits I wanted to see what he prepared mm-hmm. what do mm-hmm. you have for us no one French Canadian dude <laughs> It was so sad. I felt bad. Tim Dillon was kind of the same thing, right? Because mm. Tim Dillon, everything is so funny. My face hurt coming out of that <laughs> theater. But the crowd, same deal. The crowd, when Tim Dillon came to, to perform, was sad. It was sad. <laughs> I don't know. Do you remember he mentioned it? He was like, it's like we're at a comedy house first for one second and the next second back to a 9-11 memorial. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing that they say about like some like European shows, mm-hmm. um, European shows, even in like Japan or something. The audience will clap, they'll laugh, they'll cheer, and then they'll go right back to be dead quiet. Yeah. But that's because they have this thing where they are trying to appreciate the show as much as possible. Mm. So like stand-ups will mention that when they're talking about it, but in Vancouver, we just hate ourselves and we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering because it's like the way I think of it, and I wonder how much of this is a local cultural mindset that it's like shut up i want to hear the next joke stop laughing i get it's it's been it's that one's that joke's done i want to hear the next one so shut up i heard (laughs) one time um a few comedians were talking there was actually a great panel that is probably somewhere on youtube it's louis ck jerry seinfeld chris rock bill burr dang the four of them just talking about Mm stand-up and one time i think jerry was explaining is like when the audience is laughing stay in the bit Mm. just wait it's okay. Yeah. You know, he's going to get to the next bit, but it's important that you don't lose the energy. Yeah. Today, we're reviewing Infamous. Infamous is the stand-up special by Andrew Schultz, and there is a significance to this special, um, which is part of the reason why I wanted to be reviewing it as one of the first specials we actually talk about on the show. The reason why it's so interesting is because, well, okay, so the story behind it, most comedians nowadays, the big gig is releasing your stand-up special on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, Louis C.K., their specials on Netflix are amazing. I probably got really, really into Louis C.K. when I was in high school because his, spe- his special, Live at the Beacon Theater, 
came out on Netflix, and it was one of the most amazing stand-up shows to this day. I think it's one of the best. Mm. But this special, what happened is Andrew Schultz, who was like a rising star throughout the pandemic, mm-hmm. did his stand-up special, and then was in negotiations with Netflix. And Netflix comes up to him saying, we would like you to cut a couple things out. He goes, no. Mm-hmm. He ends up saying, if you're going to make me cut things, I'm not going to release it with you. I'm going to mm-hmm. take it myself. So he bought his special back from Netflix, which is like a crazy deal. Yeah. Decides he's going to release it and promote it himself. So a comedian just going off of his own fame, his own connection with his fans. Yeah. And then releasing his special through... They did it through Moment House, which we're going to get to in a minute. Moment House, mm-hmm. the ticket people <laughs> online. They released it for a couple of weeks. It came out January 17th. It was live for a couple of weeks, and now you can't get it anymore. Yeah. Um, Jared and I watched it 100% legally <laughs> uh, just recently, and now we're here to review it for you. You paid for it. Yeah. Cool. I paid for it, and I watched it through the appropriate means. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I didn't send send Moment House an email about you know how tragedies had befallen me and <laughs> the doctor gave me only just a week to live. And... <laughs> um. So before we start talking about the special, I kind of wanted to get into this thing, which mm. I've been meaning to talk about on the podcast for a while, but I didn't know what the best way to bring it up would be. There is an old establishment Hollywood. There is the new internet world, right? Old establishment Hollywood. You do your rounds of stand-up. You keep performing at the clubs. Some agent notices you, Mm -hmm. gives you a TV special. Either you go on and do, you know, a Comedy Central stand-up special, or you get a sitcom deal. You get a a deal to produce a show. You come up and become famous through that. Soon enough, you're making the rounds on uh, late-night television. There's actually the very famous thing, David Letterman. Uh, was one of the most famous mm-hmm. late night show hosts. He does this thing called the Wave. You do your stand up special, which is like a regular thing comedians do, and then he gives you the Wave. Come over and sit with me here mm. by the late night show desk, and let's talk a little bit so you can romance the audience. And then the audience that you romance on television is going to follow you to the next thing you do, mm. whether it's a TV show or whether they come and actually see you at night. That's like how people like Seinfeld become famous. Nowadays. You have this completely other world, and you know. Let's enter enter a new character that we've talked about here before, Joe Rogan, um, <laughs> Joe Rogan, basically a stand up comedian. He does the UFC thing, but the podcast that he grows becomes like a hub for other stand up comedians. Mm-hmm. Now he is the platform that launches people out. Yeah. Case in point, Tim Dillon. We come mm-hmm. back full circle. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're in a world where comedians run their own podcasts, they run their own platforms, they run their own spaces. They promote themselves. They do their own thing. They promote each other. And the establishment that used to give them the wave, come on here, you know, the come on, do your bit on Comedy Central, it's still there. It still mm-hmm. gets them on, but it's not nearly as pivotal. Yeah. Right? Who's your favorite comedian aside from Tim Dillon? Oh, You mentioned shoot. it on the last podcast. You like Mark Norman or something? Oh, or? Mark Norman's freaking awesome, man. Yeah. He probably would have been great in the establishment. He's much better because he does his own podcast, does his yeah. own appearances. He does these other appearances on the other yeah. podcasts. This network, the new thing, the new world, much better. There is a new establishment too. The streaming services, mm-hmm. Netflix, right? This is the new establishment. We decide what does and does not happen. We cut your jokes. Mm-hmm. 
I think what's interesting about this Andrew Saltz one in terms of with the Netflix deal is that when they made the deal, part of the agreement is that he got to do whatever he wanted and they wouldn't cut anything. And then after he made it and they were going to put it on, they're like, we want to cut stuff. He's like, that was not part of the deal. No cutting. I didn't hear that. Yeah. They actually went back on their deal a little bit. That yeah, day. 100%. Because mm. they, they went into it and he said, I do, I say whatever I want and nothing gets cut. To be and fair, like, okay. Netflix has actually been having quite a serious problem. Oh, especially yeah? regarding like uh, the Dave Chappelle specials, as I previously <laughs> mentioned. Every time Dave Chappelle does something, it is a trans nightmare. <laughs> Apparently, it is just the worst, most transphobic yeah. thing. And it needs to make headlines and people need to like, there's literally whenever he does a show now, people go protest outside. Mm. Right. Because Dave Chappelle is the most dangerous thing. Like what happened to <laughs> Christian conservatives being the bad guys? Yeah. Remember those days? They were great. At least they made a little <laughs> bit more sense. But then you see the LGBT people yelling at the black comedian and you're like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not diving into that, but now because of stuff like that happening, Netflix super trepidatious they're like what are we gonna put what are we spending a ton of money on mm -hmm. to put on our streaming service that is just gonna get us yelled at more and then our own employees are gonna protest us mm -hmm. netflix actually to their credit they started turning around in the latest dave Chappelle thing they started coming around and being like uh they, they actually put a memo out to their employees saying that we have to put stuff up here yeah you don't have to agree with everything we put up here. Yeah. Maybe Netflix is not the place for you if you don't like a wide variety of ideas. <laughs> Whoa. That's good. We come to Infamous, um, the Andrew Schultz special. Mm -hmm. He promoted the heck out of himself. And being that Andrew Schultz is in that Rogan network, the podcast network, he does the rounds. He's very popular. His podcast, um, they call it Flagrant 2. Mm -hmm. um, there was a flagrant one where I guess they talked about sports and then flagrant two was just where they talked about everything. Yeah. But then flagrant two became more popular because it's more culturally, mm -hmm. culturally mm -hmm. relevant as someone who doesn't listen to sports or do anything at all with sports. I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's more interesting to me. Right. Um, so infamous comes out. He promotes the heck out of himself. He does his own marketing. Their podcast flagrant two is very good. They put a lot of production effort into it. If you've ever watched it on YouTube, they have a beautiful set. Mm. Both sets that they've had are very beautiful. They got the chairs, they sit down, they got the mic arms that come up to them. They look very comfortable. Everybody's having a great time. They're great showrunners. I've only ever seen them mess up once with Shane Gillis. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've had Alex Jones on, as I've mentioned to you mm. before. It is a pretty popular show. They do a really good job at keeping their fans together. That is where we actually got to know Akash that Kyle and I went to see. Mm. My sister had apparently gone to see Andrew Schultz before. Oh, sweet. The other thing about Andrew Schultz, let's get into a little bit of his pandemic stardom. Mm -hmm. So he got really famous by doing these videos on Instagram. Turn your phone sideways. What I'm talking about is these videos where he would say a couple headlines to the camera. Mm -hmm. And then he would turn to another angle and say, turn your phone sideways. And you would turn your phone sideways to get into the full video, the full viewing pattern mm -hmm. on Instagram, where he would then just go do a tight five to 10 minute set, one liner after one liner after one liner mm. with like an excellently cropped meme in the corner of the thing. Yeah. The most recent headlines, it's the catchiest thing ever. It's so tight and everything he says is nuclear. Mm. It is so hot. In terms of like how to the point it is, he does these throughout the pandemic when everyone's looking at their phones. Obviously, takes off like crazy. Mm -hmm. Ends up doing flagrant two to kind of back it up, which is the beautiful thing about a podcast is it's an excellent place for you to 
centralize, you know, your brand a little bit, you know, because this is where people come to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah. Like you do with us here at the Forest Creek. Oh. Um, but he does this for a while, enters into the Rogan sphere, right? When Joe, mm. Rogan, Joe Rogan gives you the wave now <laughs> and you come and sit yeah, down with him, yeah. not for five minutes like Dave, David Letterman did, yeah. but for three hours. Yeah, instead of the wave, it's the, and we're live. What's up, freak? Which is the Joe Rogan thing, right? Uh, here's yeah. have some elk meat or whatever. Some of this alpha brain. <laughs> I want that to be the new Joe Rogan line. Uh, yeah, have some elk meat or whatever. <laughs> That's like one of those botched cakes or something that has a. a Bootleg Bart Simpson art. This is eat pant. <laughs> Have some elk meat or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my catchphrase because we don't want to steal from Rogan. Um, yeah. Like I said before on a previous podcast, I'm going to infiltrate the spear. Okay, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to talk to Joe Rogan. I'm going to have some elk meat. <laughs> on the podcast. Andrew Schultz becomes very popular, enters this thing. Popularity explodes like mm. many other comedians. Credit to Joe Rogan. He's used his podcast as a place to launch authors, filmmakers, and documentarians, and writers, and tons and tons of comedians, mm -hmm. musicians, which is a really cool thing to do with your show, and I hope to be able to do something similar one day. Yeah. And here we are at Infamous. Promotes the heck out of the show. The stand-up special goes live. He's running it himself. Moment house. <laughs> Moment House, um, they are like a online streaming service for events, mm. right? You can, running a concert, people can't attend the concert in person, they buy a ticket on Moment House, they uh. attend virtually, and then it's actually replayable for a short period of time. If for whatever reason you bought a ticket months ago, and then you work came up, family came up, and you missed the showing... We don't know you. <laughs> we don't know you. We've never heard of you before. We don't know anything about this ticket or show that you bought. Bye-bye. <laughs> Which is a, a sad thing to do, especially in the days of the internet where everything is a... You can go back and watch live at the Beacon Theater now. Yeah. Right? Everything is on... What, if, what is this? It's only available for a limited time. <laughs> it's a little bit to like emulate, you know... If you buy a ticket to go see somebody in person and you miss that show, you miss that show. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a dick move to do it online when everything is digital, but being how it is. So, and actually, Louis C.K. went on Flagrant 2 recently and mm -hmm. talked about this. About the ticket people run the world. <laughs> in some sense, when it comes to this entertainment stuff. Especially mm -hmm. if, like, Ticketmaster, for instance. Yeah. Hopefully we'll release them. We'll get them out of the equation eventually. Snoop Dogg is trying to do it through NFTs. <laughs> is that still going on? Oh, yeah. No, Snoop Dogg's never stopped with this Ethereum <laughs> thing. Yeah, we're going to mint the wrapper onto the blog. He has all kinds of crazy ideas, but we could talk about that in another podcast. What did you think of the intro? I thought it was great. Do you want to elaborate on what it was? <laughs> <laughs> they got the UFC guy, the biggest hype man in the world. Right, let me look up his name real quick. Yeah. I thought it was so weird that he introduced him as the what is it, the ultimate heavyweight champion of the world or something. It's like I would I was expecting some joke about like a great comedian. Right. Um Bruce Buffer. 
who is the mm. UFC announcer, famous. You'll see him every time. The catchphrase, in my opinion. Ah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does that every time. He's very, very, very pronounced. He's an excellent announcer. Yeah. They got him. Andrew got him to do the announcement to open the infamous special. I don't know why it was called infamous. The word doesn't come up a single time. <laughs> when a comedian names their special, sometimes they'll go live at this, mm-hmm. right? For instance, live at the Beacon Theater. Yeah. Or they will call it something that is in the special. Yeah, it's a theme of yeah. the special. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, Equanimity and the Bird Revelation. Mm. Dave Chappelle, right? Um, Joe Rogan does other. Let me look up. <laughs> Joe Rogan does a thing. Louis C.K., hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Even something as basic as that. <laughs> yeah, but it comes up because hilarious is actually a joke that he does in the set. Oh, dang. Right? Um, let's look up a couple of Joe Rogan ones, for instance. Joe Rogan has done Triggered. He's done Strange Times. Mm-hmm. He's done Talking Monkeys in Space. <laughs> right? Very on brand, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, my point being is that... It has something to do... Yeah. has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. Is he trying to bestow infamy onto himself? Maybe he had some offensive jokes, and that was why. That's then call it offensive. <laughs> why are we calling it infamous? Infamous <laughs> means you're more famous than famous. Mm. I don't think you're that famous, bro. I literally earlier I was at my parents' place. They're like, "Oh, what are you gonna do today?" I was like, "Oh, we're watching Andrew Schultz comedy special." My dad's like, "Never heard of him." Yeah. And when. You were like, yo, Andrew Schultz on Tim Dillon. I was like, who's Andrew Schultz? Yeah. <laughs> so, great branding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, could have been titled a little bit better. Mm. Bruce Buffer opening your show. Awesome. Yeah. The opening didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. No. Because he comes up saying, the heavyweight champion of the that... world. It's like, hang on. Do you mean the skinniest guy <laughs> in the business is suddenly yeah. the heavyweight champion? Of... <laughs> say, like, write something for Bruce Buffer to say. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because it's like, oh, he's just doing... It, it was so cool. And then he said ultimate heavyweight champion of the world. And I was like, oh, he's just doing his line from UFC. It was like, yeah, it was atmospheric. Yeah. I'll give you that. It was. Like, it was a great big special. But the fact that he didn't come up with a different title for himself, like... Something maybe using the word infamous. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> that might have been like, oh, that's why it's called infamous. All right. Curtains open. Yeah. By the way, the theater itself, very lovely looking place. Yeah. I like the, it was very bougie. Mm-hmm. Right. Very chic. The curtains open. Andrew comes out. Um, another thing, the dress, the way that comedians dress, sometimes the statement. Mm. Louis C.K. always wears the black shirt. Yeah. In the same way that George Carlin always wore black sweater. Yeah. Same way Burt Kreischer be distracted from what I'm doing. Yeah. Burt Kreischer shirt off every yeah. time, <laughs> right? Joe Rogan actually t- talks about the thing. He always tries to wear a baggy shirt mm. because he feels like when he walks up there like a muscly cut guy, people are distracted. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right. It kind of like even if he did, I feel like it wouldn't take away anything because his whole thing is he walks up there is like, "Wow, what is going on?" Yeah, yeah. Like he's really like <laughs> highly energetic, so it feels appropriate. Yeah. Right. Comedians who wear suits. I'm here to do my job <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. That's like, who's, shoot, what's his name? The guy that wears a suit, played spider pig. What? He thought, John Mulaney. Oh, John Mulaney, yeah. yeah he wears just, a suit all the time. Yeah. And he sounds like, that's the persona he has. That's the way his voice sounds like he's a fancy businessman. Well, he sounds like he's a traditional comedian. Yeah, exactly. Right? In the same way, Seinfeld wore suits, yeah. traditional comedian. 
I think of any other example. Will Smith, orange jumpsuit. <laughs> but Andrew comes out. He looks spiff and span as usual. Like to their credit, on Flagrant Two, everybody looks really good. Mm. Everybody's always dressed in the nines, like nice sneakers, fresh haircuts. Everything looks really good. Mm. Same ways their set looks good, they look good. Yeah. Consistent with the style, Andrew's very much the same. I feel like there was a slight turn because at some point they took their show to Miami and they started doing their podcast from there. Mm -hmm. And the flagrant show became a little bit more flagrant in design. <laughs> and I feel like that's where a lot of the floral colors and stuff like that and the shirts started coming out. It was mm -hmm. a little bit of that in the special as well. I kept noticing how deep the V on his neck was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can afford that if you're skinny. Nobody wants to see... Burt Kreischer in a deep V. That would be amazing. <laughs> I want to see Burt Kreischer in a deep V. Okay, in a deep V. With just some of the ginger chest hairs coming. Tim Dillon in a deep V. <laughs> I want Tim Dillon to do his next special in like full Balenciaga, like straight off the fashion line, because he could afford it and he would do it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do his next special in the Corona Ball outfit. Oh my God. <laughs> He was talking about that recently, just a quick side, um, yeah. about doing the show, the bits, the skits and stuff, the videos where he would dress up. Mm -hmm. and he says, like, he doesn't do it as much anymore because he's rich and he's famous <laughs> and he doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah. Right? He did it before because it would make people pay attention. Yeah. Go to the Forest Creek right now and watch me in a bee costume. <laughs> I'm still in that phase. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love... It was from one of his recent podcasts, I think. I can't remember because I've been watching the recent ones and the older ones. But he's like, he did a bit as Anthony Fauci's son. <laughs> <laughs> he's just splashing around in a bathtub going, it's my, I'm Tony Fauci's son. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> he's just splashing water everywhere. Oh, freaking killed me. <laughs> I like the bit when he was doing like Steve Bannon and he just had his nose bleeding. <laughs> Um, oh, I like how this is, the, this is the Andrew Schultz episode and we're just talking about Tim Dillon. <laughs> we're going to do that no matter what. Yeah. But we, Andrew Schultz, one of the things I really like about the set, the red background. Yeah. The red background was a really good choice. It was probably because it was originally made for Netflix. I mean, not necessarily. Mm. I think it also just lends an intensity to the situation. Because oh, yeah, yeah. when Andrew Schultz is up there, he runs a show called Flagrant. Mm -hmm. He's known for being very nuclear with his things, especially like those five minute videos he would do, turn your phone sideways. Very hot material. Mm. Known for being offensive, big publicity behind Infamous because of having to, being asked to cut jokes in the first place. So, yeah. doing it in red, the lending that intensity, that's a very smart move. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I thought was really interesting there's a lot of focus on the audience in the special. There is. They cut to him quite a bit. At least initially, I don't know if it happened as much later in the special. I can't really remember. I think from the beginning, the audience is lit up. Mm -hmm. Other shows, someone who's been on stage like myself, the audience is supposed to be dark. Yeah. Yeah. When you're looking out on the stage, like, I literally cannot see anybody. It should just be a black sea of silhouettes mm -hmm. in some sense. You should be, you know, see a few people in the front row, but yeah. like the audience is like almost fully 100%, visible. dude. Like, I think that's probably. I haven't seen a lot of other comedy specials, but it's probably because he does so much crowd work. Yeah. And he does it with people that are far away in the balcony. Like one of the first few people he talks to is up in the top left corner. Yeah, the Somalians. And he talks about his teeth. Yes. I'm like, you can see that this guy's got braces from all the way up there. 
You kidding me? Um, because yeah. this guy's freaking vision. Yeah, so as soon as he opens it up, the audience is lit up, and then he surveys the audience. Yeah. Like, he looks around and be like, oh, you're a Latina? Yeah. Something that makes a crack about it. His, cra- his crowd work is impeccable, mm-hmm. right? There is not a stutter, not a slip. Everything is one-liners. He puts it together very quickly. Yeah. Like, it's the wordplay with Andrew Schultz, like, the weapons that he has. Mm-hmm. It is very tight. He's very talented, very skilled. Mm-hmm. I was saying, like, I think before we started recording the podcast that I do think that the special itself was a little bit overhyped. When I've been so exposed to a comedian, I'm watching their podcast, I'm seeing them on Instagram, they're posting clips up, the clips are really good. I'm almost coming into the show expecting the whole special to be like that good. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting my face to hurt. And I was a little underwhelmed. And I think it's because he was so hyped up here and it just turned out to be the same thing. It's mm-hmm. normal, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it would be like a special, I always feel like it's supposed to be this very well packaged very clean very worked out and his credit he probably did work really hard on all that Definitely. i just don't feel like it was that amazing mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty good but earlier it hit me when you asked what was your favorite joke and nothing stuck out to me it was like it was it was all funny and i was laughing at 90 percent of what was going on and the stuff i didn't laugh at was because i, w- I didn't hear what he said so i probably would have laughed but it wasn't like you also laugh at anything I'm a, I'm a laughing person, but, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, there was nothing that stuck out as that was the most amazing joke, whereas watching the Tim Dillon podcast, I still think about his ads. <laughs> right. I don't think I would repeat any of the jokes from this special to my friends. Yeah. Maybe like one or two things I can mention here, like the Ted Bundy bit was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I forgot about that. Right. Dude, the Volkswagen thing. <laughs> that, that, I think that might've been the best part. Although that's just because I'm... Yeah, I'm, it was... So let me get to a little bit to the point of the special, because mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. I kind of understood the theme a little bit. From the get-go, when he starts by opening about politics, mm-hmm. and first off, right. very smooth segue, because he goes, he points at the white guys mm-hmm. up in the balcony and be like, how did you enjoy storming the Capitol? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. You know, typical joke to make in our time. Mm-hmm. And then he does the transition from that to, I miss Trump. Yeah. You know, which is, I, I like that bit. It kind of like, settled the air a little bit when you do a joke like that mm-hmm. because it's like well that's not something that people would admit in polite dinner conversation <laughs> but he was very entertaining and he yeah. was right he was like that was an entertaining presidency and things didn't feel nearly as bad as they do now yeah by comparison and that kind of opened the air a little bit but the interesting thing about it and he did this started doing it in this bit and then he did it the rest of the way the real people who are offensive the real people who are the problem the you and me Mm. it's us who have the prejudices and the tendencies and everything it's not the person on stage mm-hmm. because even when he is doing that on stage he's embodying us yeah right that comes out in a lot of his bits about race or about sexism or any of that stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're the real bad guys <laughs> in that sense <laughs> and that you know it comes the whole way through it goes from like the maga hat at the baskin robbins mm-hmm. joke which is I'm going to stick on this for a second because he didn't finish that story. It oh. didn't feel like he finished it. Started with this guy of the MAGA hat, the Bastard Robbins, and the woman in the Viking outfit was yelling at him. There wasn't an end to that story. Where's mm. the punchline? Where's the funny thing that the guy in the MAGA hat says or the funny thing that he walks into the conversation and mm. said? It was just a snapshot, and then we moved on. Yeah. I almost thought it was going to be like, because I've seen a lot of comedians do that with a story where they start there, then they do several bits in the way, and then they finish off. 
Yeah, I guess he got to the bits because I think his point with that was how he said she's completely ignorant about what she's representing. Yeah. Being dressed as a Viking, talking about abusing women is bad. She's like, where are you coming <laughs> from? You're dressed up as a Viking. Yeah. Were you LARPing? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah, but he didn't finish that story. Uh. So I was like, okay, I guess we're moving on. Because <laughs> he did finish like uh, one of the other stories here or there. Talks a little bit about Michael Jackson, for oh, instance. The Michael Jackson gosh, and Michael so Jordan good. bits. Those were really good. And one of the things that I recognized there is that there was a point and he's talking about turning out to be molesters mm-hmm. in the file, as the case with Michael Jackson was. And then he stops and he goes, Michael Jordan. And he doesn't say anything. He just lets the audience take it. We know yeah. where you're going with the bit, but we still think it's really funny that you're going to go there. Yeah. I thought it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of there's these two other bits. One that Dave Chappelle does, one that Louis K. does. You might have heard this Dave Chappelle one. It's, he talks about how he's so good at stand-up that he can pick a punchline out of a fishbowl. Yeah, oh my gosh. And he does a bit where he starts telling a story and everything, and then he ends it with, I kicked a ride in the pussy, Dude. which is like the thing he told you he was yeah. going to do, and then he does it. But he makes you forget about it. Right. Which was so freaking incredible, dude. Louis C.K. does a very similar bit where he kind of gives you pretext so mm. that you know it's going to be funny. Um, he does this thing where it's like, okay, but maybe. All right, of course, but maybe. Yeah. Of course, it's so bad that kids have peanut allergies and we should protect them. But maybe. And you kind of, you, every time he says, but maybe, in that line of jokes, you laugh. Mm-hmm. Because you know he's going to say something outrageous. So yeah. you're ready for it. Schultz does something similar. But I also found he does this other thing that's almost like, it's almost anti-momentum. When he stops and takes a breath, he goes, and I don't know if it's good or bad to let your audience just settle down. Mm. Because in some degree, you're losing your momentum. Mm. It does kind of speak to how skilled he is that he can let them lose momentum and then pick it back up. Yeah. I wonder if that comes from the idea in filmmaking and editing sort of thing where it's like, because... When you present some, when you present, when you're making a movie, the idea is you're controlling your audience's emotions. I think it's the same thing in a comedy special, or with like most things when you're presenting something to an audience, is you're controlling their emotions. And part of that in editing is making your audience feel tense, having them like grip the seat with what's going on. But you have to have that. That's comedic relief. It's like that's where they go. They step back. They can untense. So maybe maybe that's the sort of thing he was going for. It's like keep them laughing, keep them laughing, keep them laughing. Now chill out a bit. That's one thing to do in a live room, right? When you're playing on that emotion. Mm-hmm. If I'm sitting at home like we were, and we're watching the special on screen, it's a mood killer. Mm. A little bit. I found it a mood killer. Because when you're watching a movie, you've got to move from location to location. Yeah. From scene to scene. It makes sense that you have breaks and that you cut tension, that you bring it back up here and there. With this special, I'm staring at one thing on the screen. More or less. Mm-hmm. This, it's one scene. You may be taking me through bits in my head, but if you cut my attention, I'm having less fun than I could if we kept that momentum. Mm. Right? It's that thing of my face hurt when I went to see Tim Dillon live. Yeah. Because he kept going. Yeah. He kept building and building and building and building. <laughs> that the cut for tension is the end where he says, that's all for me. Goodbye. Yeah. Right? If, you, if he'd stopped and been like, oh, what else? Mm-hmm. Right, I. No, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I don't know. This, I don't know if it's a very strong criticism because it works both ways. Mm-hmm. And I would say that if a weaker comedian had done, done that, it would have been condemnation. Yeah, Schultz can pull pull it off, 
but I feel like the special might have been weaker because of it. Mm-hmm. What else? <laughs> what else? <gasps> <laughs> uh, what else do we got here? Let's see. One thing that Schultz is really good, we mentioned this before, the one-liners. He, he finds a way to like tie up the bit in a f- single phrase. Mm-hmm. One good example is he's talking about this bit where about prejudices where he sees a Middle Eastern man standing on a carpet. Yeah. And, you know, the thought is, the implication is the Aladdin kind of thing, you're going to make the carpet fly, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But he says one line in it where he says, like, it's Fast and Furious Arabian Nights. <laughs> yeah. That was a really good one line. It was, it's like, it's, he's done many, many of those throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And he does a really excellent job. He's specifically very talented in those. Mm-hmm. It's maybe one of his strongest weapons. When he's up on stage. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any that stuck out to you? In regards to the Arabian Nights one, actually, I thought it was a confusing segue into a joke that I didn't see coming. Because the first thing he was talking about was how his fiance or wife or someone said, we need, I need an Ottoman. It's like, so they went to Ikea. And where I thought he was going, because for whatever reason popped in my head, Ottoman Empire, let's get an Ottoman. <laughs> oh, because well, you don't know what Ottomans are because you're uncultured. Yeah, there you go. So we I have was one like, in this room right here. No, I knew that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the play on words. I thought that's what he's going for. Sees an Indian guy, Ottoman. Yeah, I thought that's what he's going for. And then he started talking about the Arabian Nights and the carpet, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. This is we're in a completely different joke now. Right, but it, like the story didn't finish. Yeah, I don't know well, where the was, heck he was going. Yeah, it's like right? there was no. It was more so there were two jokes. One didn't end and one didn't start. You know what it kind of feels like? It's like, imagine your mom calls you and tells you, can you come in this room? And then you go into the room. And you're like, what? And she's like, I just wanted to call you in here. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you don't finish a story, especially mm. when it's a bit. It's like, bring me to the punchline. Mm-hmm. Every story that I've heard comedians do, let's think, for instance, Burke Reicher and the Machine. Yeah. Right? Oh my god. The gosh. story has a beginning, middle, end. Right, it's mm-hmm. got jokes in between. He takes you on little segues here and there, but he finishes the story. Schultz didn't finish any stories. He just called me into the room, and then oh, that's <laughs> all. I just wanted you here. <laughs> Do you think anything in that was particularly offensive? I kept thinking, like, what jokes did Netflix want to cut? The blackface one and the abortion one. The blackface and the abortion is what they wanted to cut. I guarantee it, one hundred percent. It was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it was a bad joke. Mm. I'm saying that it didn't feel even close to offensive. Yeah. It's like, especially if you're doing the joke and then you're cut the camera again onto the audience yeah. and the audience is laughing. Yeah. The black guy is smiling. <laughs> what? I mean, think about the facts that Netflix removed the D&D episode of Community because Ken Jong was dressed up as a drow painted in like blackish, dark purple. Which but was it's like, the joke. That's not blackface. He's an imaginary elf being. Right. You're it's telling like, me elf beings can't have dogs? <laughs> it's like, it was hilarious, and they cut that out because of all blackface controversy. Maybe that just speaks to how weak Netflix is. Netflix doesn't want to talk about any of that stuff. Yeah. Look out for my special on Netflix. It's called <laughs> Blackface. Raphael Shahada Live. Just called Blackface. <laughs> <laughs> That's your special name. Just called Blackface. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, it says Andrew Schultz, infamous. Raphael should have had a blackface. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'll, I'll do it through Moment House, too. <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, there's nothing that was 
seem particularly like even the abortion materials like that's not very it's not like it's anti-abortion no even it was just fun yeah yeah hard like what i enjoyed it i thought it was like okay i was like we didn't need to really spend this much time here <laughs> it was like uh, you took your couple jabs but it almost felt like he had i gotta say something about abortion then checked it off on the list one thing like, i thought he did really good about it was his whole intro he was calling abortion scoop scoops like that was his whole he wasn't saying the word yeah. for like a good two to three minutes right. and then he just says it i like and i was like that was so good that's a really good point because yeah. he this is where one of the places where i like the pause mm-hmm. because he said what happened here in texas they're taking away your scoop scoops yeah. and he talks about like different birth you know control yeah. methods and he does the abortion jokes and everything and then oh, it takes the pause again and then he goes Oh, abortion. Yeah, he just says it. It was so good. That was a good... That like, was, that good was brilliant. That. Not skirting around the word for a solid three minutes and then just saying it on its own. No other... Nothing around it. Yeah, it's almost kind of like... <laughs> um, the way he said it, too, was almost like that. We know we hate talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if we hate talking about it, why do you bring it up? <laughs> he goes from there to doing jokes about sexism, which were... Kind of funny. I remember them being good. They were pretty good. I don't remember what they were, though. He does this thing about, like, oh, all the women are protesting so that they could do the same thing as men. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, yeah, we know. You and Bill Burr does feminism <laughs> every special. <laughs> You're not bringing anything new to the table here. Yeah. Oh, I've got to say, the Harry Potter fetus deletus joke. No way did he come up with that. That's so freaking old. That's been on the internet for so insanely long. Mm. That is not new in the slightest. Can you, but like, you think you say that, where? Dude, randomly on forums and things. People have always been using that phrase. It's I feel like so I have old. seen it in a meme, yeah. but the thing is, like, I can't credit any other gonna, comedian with it. No, not comedians. That's the thing. It's just people just on the, the internet. internet. Yeah. I'm just going to Google fetus deletus. Listen, that thing about red pilling also being applied to social situations where you realize something, that's me. I came up with that. There's... A fandom, a Harry Potter fandom Wikipedia with it has a fetus deletus. This is the first thing. I just Googled fetus deletus. March, May 23rd, 2017 is this page called fetus deletus on the Hogwarts fandom. Real strong, Andrew. Dang. Look at this. It's even in a joke form. This is not new. I remember this stuff in high school. That's the one joke in the whole special is like, that's not your material. That's just general internet material. And the thing is, it's like, even he's on, so good at doing the one-liners, I bet he could have come up with something funnier. There's an artist on Spotify called Fetus Deletus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, I want to like this special. Yeah. I want to like it, but there's just... It, what is this? So, to kind of I pivot was off of this for a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, he goes from talking about abortion. He does a couple good things in abortion. I, I will give him... The sonograms thing was pretty funny. Yeah, that you know, was good. I like that. The sonograms now it's a forty or whatever. <laughs> That's funny, dude. The joke about the daughter—it's like your 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 girl's so hot. It's like she's ten. It's like yeah, but if you wait, <laughs> let her grow. <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that. Eh, I thought it was good. <laughs> it just wasn't, you know, great. Yeah, yeah. Which is again, you called your special infamous. Yeah. You had Bruce Buffer come out here. You made such a big deal yeah. about this, and then I'm sitting here going, well, it's good. No, 100%. I think I'm with you there. The intro was awesome, but it would, with, the intro was so much more hype with the fact that 
I only remember jokes when you bring them up and go, oh yeah, that was the joke he said. The thing is, the way he talks about this, and the way that people like came to believe it, you know, this special, he's taking it off of Netflix, he's doing it himself. There is so much, it's like, this is the special that's going to kill the establishment, <laughs> old Hollywood world. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Just, could you have been a little bit more humble and just been like, <laughs> hey, I have a special. I'm doing it myself. Mm -hmm. Not, we're going to revolutionize the game with this I mean, infamous special. Let's bring it to YouTube clickbait. Nobody's going to come to your show if you go, hey guys, I'm doing a show. Yeah, if you go, this show is going to revolutionize the industry. Netflix is going down. You're like, I want to see that. I know now I'm not watching Flagrant 2 for a while. Hmm. I'm a little disappointed. I'd never heard of it before this podcast, and, and I'm not would. going to. <laughs> I mean, it's I like Mark Norman and I love Sam Morell, but I don't care about their podcast. Honestly, if but it, on the other hand, if it was Tim Dillon in here, I'd be in here Yo. like the Samaritan woman washing his feet. <laughs> <laughs> There's an old Bible one for you. Um, right. So he goes into talking about feminism a little bit, and then he mm. talks about you know, then he gets into talking about sex. Right, naturally, you go there from um, birth control and the abortion talk talking yeah. about sex and feminism and all that stuff. Comedians get stuck talking about sex. Mm. And to be fair, there's a lot of material there. It's just that, like, is this where you want to stop people? Mm. This is where you want them to get stuck. I'll admit, I'm not a big fan of these jokes. Like, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes it's just like, can we move on yeah. to the next bit? Yeah. Can you take us to the next area? Louis C.K. has a thing where he spends like 30 minutes talking about balls. <laughs> Talks about testicles for 30 minutes. I, enough. Enough. It was funny for the first three minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm here for 10 times that amount, and you're yeah. still here. Comedians get stuck talking about sex. I feel like they can hit it and move on pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Hit it and quit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, in the structure of the special, he does this whole bit, and then he ends on... It's about ejaculation and orgasm, mm -hmm. which is how sex ends and therefore how the special yeah, ends. Yeah, yeah. So that bit was nicely structured to some degree because he finishes off about talking about loads. Mm -hmm. Funny. It's good that, you, that he did that and that it was over. The special was about 50 minutes, which is pretty standard, mm -hmm. um, but also didn't feel strong. One thing I'll give it to him is that it didn't feel like 50 minutes. I felt it was like half an hour. It went fast. Feel like it, went it was really yeah. enjoyable. Like it was really, it was entertaining and really enjoyable and it flew by. Yes. But it's also, I don't remember anything. Yeah. Granted, I, that's also kind of the person I am, but. I don't feel like anything a, hit me very hard. Yeah. Throughout the yeah. thing. And that wasn't very hot material. Like there was a couple of places where I was like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah. That is kind of like offensive and on the edge and like cool. And I'm glad I was there for those jokes. But that was, I want to say like 20%. Mm -hmm. of it. The rest of it was like, uh, I mean, I feel like I could have just watched your podcast. <laughs> Here's one of the things that I feel like hurt the special. He took the best jokes and he put them online. Mm, did he? Yeah. Like he put clips of the special out? You can go to his Instagram right now and you can watch the best spits mm. there. You didn't need to pay the $20 on Moment House to go watch this thing. <laughs> All the best bits of the special are on YouTube. Right? So I'm watching the whole thing, and it's like, well, I guess it suffers from that thing of you put all the best moments from your movie in the trailer. Mm, yeah. Right? And now I'm like, eh, when I watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so overall, what would you rate this special out of 10? I'm pretty generous, so I'd say 6.5 to 7. 
that's more generous than that's actually more critical than I would have given it to be oh, honest. Yeah? yeah, no, I was I'm like, thinking the way I'm rating it, I really like um YMS on YouTube, his rating system of everything starts at a five and it get po- gets points higher or lower depending on how good or bad it is. And it's like it was like I described earlier, it made me laugh, it was really entertaining, it flew by, but I don't remember any of the jokes except for the one he stole from the internet. I'll say it's a seven to seven point five. Mm. You know? Yeah, I feel like I've seen a lot funnier things from comedians that aren't that, you know, hype. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I look forward to his next special. I hope he does more stuff. Yeah. I hope more comedians do this. I hope more comedians take it out, but that they do it in a way where their fans can access it and see it and not just disappear on Moment House. Yeah. I, I don't like that. It's not, <laughs> not cool. It's not the end of Netflix. Not the end of Netflix specials. And they're gonna keep going. They're gonna keep trying. I just hope that they don't stop taking chances. Mm-hmm. They have finally agreed to put Tim Dillon on. Yeah. There's gonna be a Tim Dillon Netflix special at some point. You think it's just gonna be like 20 I... minutes of beeps? <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're just gonna, gonna put bleep out, out everything. And the share price of Netflix is gonna drop like 80%. <laughs> the whole company's gonna crash and burn. <laughs> and then Tim Dillon's gonna put all those aviators and walk out of there. Oh man. <laughs> Dude, yeah. he's so freaking good. I promise we'll do a real episode where we review a Tim Dillon thing and stop. Just you know, any podcast. Bringing him up into every <laughs> other episode, but yeah. I don't know. I've, I've been in one of my biggest sources of inspiration is the mm. fact that someone like that can do a podcast. And that, you know, any comedian can really do their podcast. Do it. I'm not even a comedian. Mm-hmm. But I just enjoy that we can come in and talk about these things and then have a good time about it mm-hmm. here on the show. We are building a website here for the Forest Week. We're making AD work really hard <laughs> over time. He's the only one working. I'm depriving him of food. <laughs> uh, we will have it up soon at www.theforestcreekweb.com. We're available everywhere else at the Forest Creek. You can find this podcast, of course, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, other places probably. SoundCloud? Apple Maybe? Music? I don't know. I've hit the limit on SoundCloud now. So they oh, you're on SoundCloud? To, yeah, they want me to pay for it. Because there's a limit to how much you can put. Yeah. Because they're trying to make extra money off of these rappers. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. All right. Uh, my name is Raf. I'm Jared. We'll see you again soon. We got more episodes coming up. Stay tuned. I know it's taking me a long time to finish editing these, but you know, <laughs> I have to fire my family. That's the only way to get through this. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.